0: amen alrighty hallelujah well let's get into the word today amen let's get into the word we're going to the book of numbers numbers chapter 13 and I'm gonna actually start in 13 and then we're gonna bridge over during the reading into chapter 14 amen so have your clicker ready or your page turn amen ready to go there uh numbers chapter 13 amen and it's it, it, I'm just gonna read uh for a little bit here this morning amen so when you have it Amen. Say amen. Numbers 13, verse 26. I'm going to start there. Numbers chapter 13. We start at verse 26. Here we go. It says, Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. This, of course, is when the spies went in to search out the promised land. Verse twenty-seven. Then they told them and said, they told him, excuse me, and said, "We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, if that wasn't enough, we saw the descendants of Anak there." The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once. Look, we know where they're at. We see the land. We see the fruit. Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies, is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so... We were in their sight. Let's flip over to chapter 14. I'm going to just keep reading here for a little bit. Bear with me. Chapter 14, verse 1. So as a result of all of this, so the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. If, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Verse 3. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select the leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying the land we pass through the spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Verse nine. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection is departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Amen. If you'll give me your attention for a little bit this morning, I want to talk to you from the subject, upgrade your identity. Upgrade your identity. Holy Spirit, we're here for you. Speak to us like only you can. Make it plain to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. How many of you have ever heard of the honorable preacher and state, statesman of the late 1800s named Edward Everett let me say his name right Edward Everett anybody ever heard of him before anybody I'm getting some some nose in this area uh, Edward Everett a great honorable preacher statesman he was in Congress uh, in the in the mid1800s uh, and in fact he, he served the same time as President Lincoln did and, and as a matter of fact he was the one who gave a two hour address right before President Lincoln came up to give the Gettysburg Address. Ever heard of him? No, I hadn't either. Amen. But I remember as a child, I had to memorize a part of the Gettysburg Address. I don't know about you. But when I was a child in fourth or fifth grade, I had to memorize the first stanza of the of President Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. 30 words of the 271 words uh, that uh, that made his his address and has long been considered one of the greatest orations of all time. Amen. Why is it that this countless, uh, excuse me, that countless American school children memorize the Gettysburg Address every year? Why is that? We're not memorizing the, any of the, the, the guy that came before him. And he gave a two-hour speech. President Lincoln's last about two minutes, okay, And it made such more of an impact on us than the speech that came before it. Was it uh, just a civics lesson? Uh, Do we have people memorize this as an opportunity uh, to learn about the Civil War, which is a turning point in American history? Yes, it's all those things, but this memorization of this very short two-minute speech is an act of identity formation. It sticks with us and it means something to us because it talks about who we are to be in accordance with the ideals of this nation. It starts off, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. It provides an opportunity for every American child who remembers its words to internalize its values and aspirations of the country. That's what it's intended to do. And it was more memorable because of that, because it spoke to the identity of a people. It was more memorable than the two-hour speech that came before it, amen? We celebrate Independence Day because it reinforces our identity as a nation. This is why, as, as Christians, we confess scripture. Why? Because it reinforces our identity. This is why we participated in communion. Why? Because it reinforces our identity with Christ. This is why we get baptized, because it declares our identity with Christ. This is why we have a church confession. Why? Because it reinforces and shapes our identity. None of these things are intended to save us. Amen. Neither can they save us. Okay, confessions don't save us. Scriptures, uh, uh, just just quoting the scriptures, that's not what saves us. Communion doesn't save anybody. Getting baptized doesn't save any, anybody. Amen. But it, when we come to appropriate our identity in Christ, that's what changes us. Amen. And so we're going to continue in our series today. We started a series called Upgrade a couple weeks ago, uh, and we we, uh, we started that, and now we're going to continue in that, talking about the need to upgrade our identity, amen? Let me review just a little bit, if you will. I know it had been a minute. Again, our series title is Upgrade, and we came from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Let's look at that, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. What? He is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have been made new. Amen. When we get saved, we get the ultimate upgrade. Amen. We get an upgrade. We get upgraded to brand new premium life. Amen. In Jesus Christ. Amen. But Jesus was saying, look, if you're going to experience this upgrade, this new life, you can't take new wine and put it in an old wineskin, amen? As the new wine begins to expand, it'll just blow out the old wineskin, so you have to be upgraded, amen? As we receive new life, we have to be upgraded. Glory to God. As he was saying, if we're going to experience the Holy Spirit, the type of life he wants uh, for us, we can't do it with the old system, with our old way of thinking, Amen. The natural can't handle the spiritual. It has to be upgraded. Amen. We need a new operating system. Now, the problem is even after we receive an upgrade as humans, we have the unique ability to hold on to an old operating system, I, I shared the example last uh, a couple weeks ago of my wife's computer uh, that crashed. I'm not going to talk bad about our computer. Uh, it was old, amen. But uh, <laughs> we had we had to get an upgrade in it. And when I took it into the uh, to the shop, they said it was too old to be able to upgrade. It wouldn't even accept the new operating system. I had to get a brand new one, amen. So I had to upgrade to a new system. I had to upgrade to a new system and, and because what would happen is the computer would crash, right? It would co- the computer would crash, okay? And as, as humans, um, we, we have the ability to continue to operate with an old system, even that may be outdated. It may not be working for us. It may be causing internal conflicts in us, uh, and, and we can end up experiencing a system crash, Amen. The most obvious sign we said of a computer crash is the blue screen of death. I don't know if you've ever seen that. The blue screen of death, her her computer wouldn't even turn on. We had the black screen of death. It was that much worse. Amen. <laughs> no, what, what actually happens, they said, is that when two systems within a certain computer are competing for one another, they're trying to both do the same thing. One of them's trying to find a hard drive that wasn't there. Another one's trying to find a hard drive as a backup system, and it just locked everything up okay and that's what happens two components within one thing are competing for the same resources and it caused the system to crash family that's what happens to us as Christians, when our spiritual nature and our fleshly nature or carnal nature are trying to compete for the control of our body, you end up with a system crash. If one of them doesn't dominate, you end up with a system crash. And, and what we have to do is learn to let our spirit be in control. Amen. We have to upgrade so our spirit can be in control of our soul and our flesh. Amen. We need an upgrade. We need a new operating system. We need to make sure that the right software is running the way it's supposed to. Amen. Hallelujah. In our minds and our hearts, if we're going to do the will of God and be his ambassadors. Amen. But in order to fix the problem, you have to properly diagnose the problem. You got to know what's going on. You got to get to the root of it. Amen. And what we said we have to do is you have to trace it. Then you have to face it. You have to erase it and then replace it. I'm going to say it again. You have to trace it. You have to face it. You have to erase it and then you have to replace it. Amen. Now, the good news is, according to 2 Corinthians three seventeen, it says this. It says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen. And so if we want to be free, we have to invite the spirit of the Lord to do a virus check. You ever ran a virus check on your computer? The computer has the ability to run a program called a virus scan or is scanning for malware. It goes throughout all the cracks and crevices, all the little hidden places, the hidden memory places of the, of the entire system. And it finds anything that could cause an issue later in life, anything that the manufacturer, glory to God, did not put inside the system that could cause it to malfunction. And what we have to do is we have to allow the Holy Spirit to do a virus scan, to go in and search out everything that is not like him and bring it up so it can be cast out. Amen. Hallelujah. We have to allow him to do that so we can figure out what is causing our system to crash. Amen. And we looked at Israel in Egypt last uh, two weeks ago. We looked at Israel in Egypt. We found that they were delivered miraculously. Again, we're going to look at them again today, but we found out they experienced a miraculous deliverance, amen, through the Passover. They came out of bondage, amen. They went through the Red Sea. God took them after 400 years of slavery in Egypt, after 400 years of systematic bondage. We talked about that, the difference between systematic issues and systemic issues systematic means that the egyptians had a plan and a plot to oppress israel okay and so after that 400 years of systematic bondage they were brought out but what we see is even though they were free they weren't completely liberated because of the after effects of systemic chains in their hearts and in their minds they were free but they still had what we like to call a slavery mentality because of the damage that had been done by the system of slavery. You have to go back and understand, again, there was a system—excuse a, me—a systematic plan that left systemic effects. So whenever difficulty showed up, we're going to look at this today, whenever problems arose, they were ready to, to, to cut and run. They were ready to go back to Egypt. Let's go back to where we had it. It wasn't better. It was comfortable. Amen. And this is sometimes where we end up as Christians. We get into a conflict. We get into something and it's not better. It's comfortable. So we go back to the things we used to do. We go back to our old ways instead of walking out in the freedom and liberty that God has purchased for us in Jesus Christ. Amen. So in order to be really free, you have to go back to the root of the issue you got to go back to where these mindsets were established. We've got to change our thinking. And this is what we're going to talk about today. Amen. Upgrading our identity. Amen. When we are made new in Jesus Christ, we, we have to upgrade our identity. We're new creatures. Amen. But as long as we're free in body, but not in mind and in, in, in soul, as long as we're thinking according to the old operating system, we're never really going to experience the abundant life that Jesus Jesus Christ has promised us. Amen. So you have to change your thinking and accept your identity. Amen. Well, I'm going to say it again, we have to change our thinking and accept our identity. And this was the game changer for Joshua and Caleb. Let's go back to the, to the text here in Numbers chapter 13. Let me give you a little background here. Of course, we know that after they came out of Egypt, they went into the wilderness and God was taking them to the promised land. He had told them, we're going to deliver you and take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, they were excited about it, right? And so they get out there and what they do, they decide, Moses says, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to send 12 spies over to the promised land. We're going to let them go for about 40 days. They're going to search out the land and they're going to come back and bring us a report and tell us about the land. So he sent 12 out, one from each tribe, and Joshua and Caleb were a part of that tribe, okay? And so let's go to Numbers chapter 13, verse 20. 26 says now they departed talking about the spies and then they came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and they brought back word to them and they're waiting they're ready to receive what they're going to say they came to all the congregation they showed them the fruit of the land It was a part of the bible that says they had it was the the time of the of the grapes the season for grapes and that there was a cluster of grapes that was so big they had to carry it between a pole with two people Amen. So they saw that it was everything God promised, everything they promised. Amen. Says we went to the land. Verse 27 said they told him we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows of milk and honey. This is its fruit. Nevertheless, now they, they saw some other things. He said, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Now, the Anak, uh, the Anakim, if you will, they were the giants. They were giants, a race of giants, right? And so they saw where all the people, and this is what they went for. They saw where all the different people were camped out, where the different groups that they were going to have to face were camped out. And instead of allowing that to, to be something that they used to make plans, they allowed it to make them afraid. They he said, oh, well, if this is the case. If, this is, if they're over here and this group is over here and you've got giants, there's no way we can do this. There's no way we can do this. And then Caleb, verse 30, I love this. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. Oh, glory to God. He said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. So out of 12 spies that went over, Only two came back with a good report, even though they all saw the same thing. What was the difference? What made Caleb see it different than all the other spies that went? What made Caleb and Joshua, I should say, see it different than all the other spies? Well, Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, God gives us a little insight into it. He says, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him. It says he has a different spirit. He's not like everybody else. He has a different spirit and has followed me fully. Glory to God. Caleb saw himself in light of the one who made the promise. He had a different, uh, a different understanding of his identity. He didn't see himself just as somebody who was who was a slave and trying to go and conquer. No, he saw himself as a child of the king. He saw himself as following the commandments of God. He saw himself. He said, hey, if the Lord delights in us, we can get this thing done because he knew it wasn't about him. It was about who he was in God. That was what was going to give them the victory, amen? And just like Caleb, Joshua. Joshua had been through some things. He went through slavery in Egypt. He went through everything that everybody else did, amen? But he saw God promise victory, and then he saw God give victory. Now watch this. Remember, Joshua was the one who uh, was in the valley fighting when Moses' hands were, had to be held up by Aaron and her, He was down in the valley and he prayed and asked God, he said, don't let the sun go down until I have victory over my enemies. And God did it. Scientists and historians alike have proven that we lost the day in the world, amen? That there was a day that the sun did not go down, <laughs> amen? This is what God will do. So he had already seen that God will, will break the laws of nature to give him victory. And so he was walking in the strength of that. He was walking in the understanding that I'm different because I belong to him. He makes me great. He makes me different. Amen. So I can do this. If God is telling us to go, I've seen him do this before. He will do it again. Amen. Now, he wasn't the only one who witnessed victory. Joshua and Caleb weren't the only ones that witnessed the victories of God. This whole nation just saw God destroy an entire nation. I mean, bring them to ruin to deliver them, brought them out. Amen. Moses wasn't the only one that was hearing God speaking. Amen. God brought the entire nation to the to Mount Sinai and everyone heard, go back and read it. Everyone heard the Ten Commandments when God spoke them. He didn't just give them to, to Moses on the mountain and he brought down. No, when he brought everybody there. And you can see this in multiple places in Scripture. When he brought everybody there, everybody heard God speak the Ten Commandments. Amen. that's That's how it went. And so they weren't the only ones. Moses and Joshua and Caleb weren't the only ones that drank water out of a rock. Everybody did. And God did all these things for them so he could solidify their trust in him. But you know what the problem was? Egypt kept getting in the way. Egypt kept getting in the way. Now, wait a minute, preacher. I thought you just said that Egypt was decimated. Yeah, that's right. They were the, the Egyptians that oppressed them had been decimated. Their country was brought to ruin. All of the soldiers that chased them into the Red Sea were killed after the Red Sea covered them up when they tried to go through on dry land. But the problem is the systematic plot on their bodies was still causing systemic effects in their hearts and minds. So even though they were free from the place, Egypt kept stopping them kept getting in the way amen let's look at numbers thirteen thirty one. says the men who have gone up with him said we are not able to go against him. they're stronger than we he gave the children of israel a bad report about the land that they had spied out it said the land through which we have gone as as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it were men of great stature now watch this, verse 33, because this is the telling thing right here. Look at verse 33. It says, we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like, watch this, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in theirs. He said we were grasshoppers. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers. And so, therefore, they have to see us as grasshoppers, too. See, they're saying, look, we, we, we can't do that. I, I, we're just grasshoppers. We're no match for them. And that's somebody's issue today. I, I got to say, look, I'm, I want you to go back to school. I want you to, to get back to school. God, I can't go back to college. I'm just a grasshopper. No, I, I want you to get out of debt. No, I, I can't do that. I'm just a grasshopper. I can't write a book. God, I'm just a grasshopper. I can't start a business. God, I'm just a grasshopper. God can't use me. I'm just a grasshopper and we see ourselves as less than. And then we wonder why our lives don't look different from year to year. See, when we see ourselves as less than, we'll never experience the liberty and abundant life that God has for us. And we don't want to chase liberty and abundance. Chase after your identity and liberty, liberty and the abundant life will come upon you and overtake you. Amen. You have to fight For your identity. And this is what Joshua and Caleb had going into the land. They knew who they were in God. They knew who they were. And so they knew, glory to God, that the battle wasn't up to them. They just had to be obedient. They just had to go in and God says, go, then go. If God says, go back to school, go back to school. If God says you can get out of debt, get out of debt. Follow the leading of the Lord. Why? Because it's based on your identity. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, in 1968, sanitation workers in Memphis, Tennessee, went on strike to address uh, the disparity of poor pay and dangerous conditions, working conditions, primarily for the black workers in Memphis. Um, And although the wages and conditions were major issues, amen, the central theme on their picket signs wasn't about wages and conditions. They wore signs that said, I am a man. I am a man. And Dr. Martin Luther King, he was called alongside to to their aid to publicize that simple phraseology, I am a man. It not only caused a stir in the industry, but it also caused a stir in the workers themselves who were striking. Right. Because he says, look, you deserve fairness and equality and justice because of who you are, not just what you do. He said, I'm a man. I deserve dignity and respect as a man. And I no less a man than anybody else that's a man. Amen. So they had to do something to upgrade their mentality about themselves before anybody else would respect it. If you see yourself as a grasshopper, so will everybody else. Amen. I'm going to say it again. If you see yourself as a grasshopper, so will everybody else. And let me throw this in while I'm on it. If you see your spouse as a grasshopper, guess what? So will everybody else. If you see your children as just grasshoppers, so will everybody else. You need an upgrade. We need to upgrade our thinking to who we really are. We need to upgrade our identity. Amen. And the people of Israel, they didn't experience that upgrade. Even though they came out of Egypt, they didn't experience the mental upgrade. And it caused a catastrophic system crash. Let's go back to Numbers chapter 14. Let's look at this. We're going to look at the crash here. So after all that happened, says, so the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night. Why? Their system was crashing. Says, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. So 400 years of bondage God brings you out and you're just getting started and you're like, man, this is hard. I wish we would have died back there. It's mentality. It's identity. Look at this. It says, or if we had only died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land of fall by the sword? Do you really think that's why he brought you out here? Do you really think that God is going to send you to a place just to kill you off? Come on, Somebody. Sometimes God gives us assignments and instructions and we don't do them. What are we thinking about? We're thinking about our ability. We're thinking about our resources, our income. God is saying, no, I'm with you. I just need you to go. Your identity, your qualification is in me. It's not about you. It's about me. Let me be glorified in you. Oh, hallelujah. They wanted to pick a leader and go back to Egypt. Family, I mean, we, we can't do that. We can't, we can't go back to the way things used to be. We can't go back to what's comfortable. God is bringing you out to a different place. And the only way you're going to get there is if you know who you are. Amen. There are certain places, guess what, you can't get into without ID. Oh, glory. Come home, somebody. There are certain places that you can't go into unless you got the right ID. Hallelujah. And when you show your ID, it opens doors. Amen. It's one of the things I used to love about being in the military. Well, you have a military ID card. It opens doors for you. Amen. You can go, and I wouldn't advise this, but you can actually go into different countries without a passport using your military ID. I wouldn't advise that. Get a passport. Amen. But it'll open doors for you. Right? It'll open doors for you. Family, there are certain things about your identity and God that you need to know, and it'll begin to open doors. Watch this. When you begin to believe who you are. We're waiting for situations to change. We're waiting for things to to, to be different. And God is saying, no, just be who you are and I'll make it different. Glory to your name, God. Hallelujah. Family, you got to understand we can't afford to reject God's word. We can't afford to reject what he says about us in exchange for what we've always believed about us. Oh, hallelujah. Look at what he says. Let's go back to this. Numbers chapter 14. Let's look at uh, verse uh, verse 6. I'll just start there. It says, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jepuneth, who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes. means they were in anguish. Verse 7, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel while you're going through this system crash. He says, listen, the land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us. Notice he didn't focus on the fight. He didn't focus on the how. He said, if God delights in us, he'll do it. Hallelujah. If he delights in us, he will take care of it. And we got to believe family, when God gives us a mission, he will take care of it. Why? Because he delights in us because of who we are in him, who we are to him. If he delights in us, we've already got the victory. There's no need to fear. There's no need to have your system crash. There's no need to to give up and to worry and just quit. No, God delights in you. Hallelujah. Family, when we let me let me keep reading a little bit. Let me keep reading a little bit. Verse eight. Go back here. Says if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Verse nine. Only watch this. Watch this. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. It said they're bread for us. Their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Don't fear them. Verse 10. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared at the tabernacle of meeting before the children of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe me with all the signs that I performed amongst them? He said, how long will they reject me? I've told them what I'll do. I've I've showed them my strength. I've told them that I've chosen them. How long will they refuse to believe that I will do what I promised I'll do? Amen family what, what they did is they rejected what God said and guess what when you reject what God says about you you're rejecting God when we reject and refuse to believe what God says about who we are we are rejecting him and guess what happens when we reject him we limit him let's go to Psalm 78 verse 41 Psalm 78, this chapter, man, it just really just kind of spells out what was going on and, and, and how God felt about what was going on in the background. But look at this. Psalm 78, verse. Well, let's start at verse 40 first, and then I'll go to verse 41. It says how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Verse 41, yes, again and again, they tempted God, watch this right here, and limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited God from their lack of belief. That means that because they didn't believe him, they tied God's hands in what he wanted to do for them. He could only do so much. It reminds me of Jesus who was in his, his hometown. And because people didn't believe, he said he couldn't do a lot of miracles there. They tied God's hands because of their lack of belief. Family, we've got to untie God's hands. We've got to choose to believe in the Lord. Hallelujah. Stop believing the word with unbiblical qualifications that rationalize you out of your promise. I'm going to say it again. Stop believing the word and and putting in your unbiblical qualifications and rationalizing yourself out of what God promised you. If the word says it, then the word says it. Take it as what it is and leave it alone. Sometimes we, we put all kinds of things into it and we disqualify ourselves. We read stuff into the word that's not even in there. And we disqualify ourselves from God doing something in our lives. And then we want to complain. We say, well, God, how come this person is getting promoted? How come this happening? And how come it is not going for me? Because we would choose to not believe him. Because we said, well, God, you said you'd do it, but I and this and I don't have and I haven't done. and And God said, don't worry about that. I qualified you. I've already qualified you. God's promises are true. Even the ones that apply to you. Yes, I said it. God's promises are true. Even the ones that apply to you, what God says about you is absolutely true. And you have to learn to accept it. You have to learn to believe the word of God, especially as it relates to us. Amen. I know what somebody will say. Let's pull this up right here. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. I know what somebody will say right here. It says, For I say, Through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. See, we don't want to get the big head, I, and I, I get that. Amen. We want to be humble, and I get that. But when we'll listen to people, and people come. In, now, don't start thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to. But think soberly is what we'll say. Think you got You got to think realistically. Amen. Well, what's more sober than the word of God? What's more sober than taking God's word and applying it to myself? That's not thinking more highly than I should, but you ought to think highly of yourself. Why? Because God does. Hallelujah. He thought so much of you that he gave his only begotten son to save you and to deliver us from darkness. Hallelujah. If that doesn't place value on you, then I don't know what will. If he was willing to take the best he had in heaven and bring it down to the earth. To save you and deliver you. Hallelujah. I don't don't know what will work for you. I don't know what will work for you. But he he thought enough of you to want to deliver you. Amen. And what we have to do family, we have to really read the whole thought that's right here. Go back to Romans chapter 12. Look at verse 2. Let's start at verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And now I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought. So what he's saying here is get the word and understand the word that what the word says about you and then stick with that. Don't think more higher than that. That's what got the devil in trouble. He knew who he was. He knew he was a created being. He knew he was supposed to lead the the praises of heaven. He had been manufactured and made that way. He meant by God. And then he says, you know what? I'm going to ascend higher. I'm going to ascend above the, 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 the heavens. He thought of himself more highly than he ought to think. And God had to put him down. But when we believe what the word says about us and our identity, who we are in him, that's not thinking more highly. That's absolutely thinking soberly about yourself. Hallelujah we got to stop selling ourselves short. Amen. Your qualification is in Jesus Christ. He already qualified you. Hallelujah. Family, the world is waiting for you to get your mind right. The world is waiting for us to get our minds right. To come under the understanding of who we are in God. The Bible says that the whole creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. All creation is waiting for us to get our minds together and do the things that God has called us to do. But if we don't believe who we are in him, we won't do it. We'll just sit back. Amen. We'll just sit back and wait for it to happen. We'll just wait for it to come to us. God is saying, no, go get it because I called you to it. Go get it. Amen. You got to believe what the word says about you. What does the word says, say about you? It says you're an image bearer. Amen. You, you bear the image of the almighty God. You're an ambassador. Amen. You're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. You're a world overcomer because you're in Christ. You're victorious. Amen. And no temptation can overtake you. Amen. You're the apple of God's eye. God is pleased with you. That's what the Bible says. He delights in you. He rejoices over you. Amen. He believes in you. God believes in you. Who are you not to believe in yourself when God believes in you? Do you know better than him? I bet you don't. Amen. God believes in you. Hallelujah. He's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Amen. And therefore, there's nothing impossible. There's nothing impossible because you believe. Amen. So what are you waiting for? What are we waiting for? The Bible says faith without works is dead. Why are we making calls? Why are we making coordination about the things that God has told us to do? Amen. We have to start moving in what he said. We're still trying to figure out whether he told us to go into the promised land or not. It's, it's a promised land because he promised it. Amen. We're trying to figure out what well, God is. this. Am I supposed to go? He already told you you were. Amen. You just got to move out. The doubt is coming from what you believe about yourself. What we think about ourselves. How we see ourselves. Amen. Stop that grasshopper mentality. Stop that slavery mentality. Amen. We're more than conquerors through him who loves us. Amen. So what we have to do, how do we get out of this mindset? First thing we have to do, the work of believing. Let me say it again. We have to do the work of believing. Let's go to John chapter six, verse 28. John chapter six, verse 28. So they said to him, they were talking to Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, they said, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? So what should we do to be able to work the works of God? Now, now you would think, you know, all kinds of different things. Uh, I, I got to read more scripture. I got to do this. I got to pray. I got to do this. Like all these things that we can do, we, we build up our, our spiritual faith muscle, right? What do I need to do to do the work, right? Look at verse 29. Look at what he said. Jesus answered and said to him, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Your work is to believe. Our work is to believe what God says about us as it pertains to who we are. Amen. We have to decide whether God is a liar or not. I know that sounds weird. I'm going to say it twice. We have to decide if God is a liar or not, amen, the Romans, uh, Romans chapter three, verse four says, let God be true and every man a lie. Amen. He, but, but that word let means allow it to be so in your heart and in your mind, either it's all true or none of it is either. God told us the truth about who we are in him or he's lying. What are we going to believe? Amen. If we believe the Bible says in Hebrews 6, 18, that it's impossible for him to lie then we have to begin to believe the truth about who we are in him. Amen. We have to conform our minds to the word of God and stop conforming the word to fit our minds. Amen. We change what God says based on on what what we choose to hold on to about ourselves. He says we're delivered and we're still thinking about where we came from or some things that keep trying to trip us up. And we feel like we're disqualified for what God wants to do in our life. The devil is a liar. That's called condemnation. And there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You got to let that go. You got to accept the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Amen. You are a son of the most high God. You're a child of the king. Amen. You're an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. Amen. You are accepted in the beloved. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. And when we begin to accept it, we'll begin to live like it. Sometimes we, we, we want to change. We want to we be different. Amen. Anybody want to be different? You want to change? There's some habits that may be going on in your life. There's some things you want to get away from. Well, guess how you do it. You start believing that you're already delivered. Why? Because you are. You start believing that the Bible says that, that, that old things are passed away and behold, all things are made new. You begin to believe that and watch you start to live it out. We waste a lot of time trying too hard. We're trying to change this. We're trying to change that. It's not about changing behavior. It's about changing your mind. That's what repent is. It means to change your mind. we we'll we begin to change our mind about who we are, we'll start to see some things change in our life. We won't have to work at it so hard. That's, that's how the power of the Holy Spirit works. We got we to gotta, we gotta get this identity thing together. Amen? So what do we have to do to upgrade our identity? I'm going to close with this right here. Number one, we said we got to trace it. Amen? You got to find the trauma. You got to find that systemic trauma that you were subjected to that caused you to believe a lie about yourself. You got you to gotta trace it. If you were told that you'll never be anything long enough, you'll start to believe it. If you're told you're not good enough, if you're told you're ugly and nobody wants you, if you're told you can't, if you're always told you won't do it, Guess what? That's what's going to begin to form in your mind. That's going to going to form your belief system. Now, even when I want to believe, I can't. Why? Because of the systematic thing that's been done to me has now caused a systemic problem in my mind and my thinking. You got to find it. You got to trace it. You got to track it down. Amen. If you're told you're a criminal long enough, then you'll begin to justify criminal means to make ends meet. You've got, you got to come out of that mindset. we got to come out of that mindset. we got to trace it. we got to find the origin of it, and then we have to face it. Then we have to face it. We have to address the trauma. We have to acknowledge the moment of systematic oppression that was levied against us by Satan, his demonic henchmen, to, to, and we have to confront it. We have to face it. Amen. We have to acknowledge the person that he used to wound us, and we have to forgive them. We have to to find the person that told us these lies because the devil was using them, and we got to forgive them. You have to face it. Amen. One thing about PTSD. PTSD holds people captive to trauma because even though their body survived the trauma and made it out, their mind is still captured by the trauma that happened to them. And too many times we don't go back and we can trace it, but we don't face it. And it continues to to have its control over us. family. you got to deal with some things. You got to talk through some things. And then when you begin to do that, then you can erase it. Amen. Then you can forgive yourself. Hallelujah. Then you can accept that what you've been seeing about yourself was a lie. Something that was meant to to keep you from manifesting your gift and, and the glory of God through your life. Amen. You have to reject those systemic effects that were imposed by on you by the schemes of the enemy and his hold on society whatever society did to put you down you got to begin to erase that you got to begin to deny and to nullify its hold on your life why because i'm a new creature in christ amen all things are passed away and you have to replace it with the truth about yourself family in closing joshua and caleb they were able to enter into the promised land Because they had a different mentality based on their uh, proper identity. I'm going to say that again. Joshua and Caleb entered into the promised land because they had a different mentality based on a proper identity. Fam, we have to do some examination today. Where are we limiting God? Where are we limiting God? How are we and where are we in our lives refusing to believe what God says about us? How do you see yourself? These are some questions you really have to deal with. You really have to answer because whether you believe it or not, it has an effect on what you do. You can't live past what you believe. You can't live in opposition to what you believe. We can fake it for a little while. But eventually what we really believe is going to come out. It's going to come out. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a sinner saved by grace? Or do you see yourself as a saint? Because the Bible says you're a saint. But when you continue to see yourself as a sinner, guess what you're going to do? You're going to keep sinning. But if you see yourself as a saint, you begin to live out who God says you are. Do you see yourself as helpless or hopeful? It's how you look at the situation that you're in. You might not be able to change it, but it doesn't mean you have to be hopeless. You can be hopeful doesn't I mean you have to feel helpless all the time. You can have hope that God will still come to the rescue, will still come to deliver you. Are you an overcomer or continually just walking in defeat? Just waiting on that next thing that you continue to prophesy is coming. If it's not one thing, it's another. You're prophesying doom on your own life. Stop it. Who are you? Let's ask the Lord today to upgrade our identity. Let's ask the Lord today to help us to accept who he says we are and really believe it and take it in and let it take root in our life that it'll bring forth fruit some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. Come on, let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your power. We thank you for your deliverance. We thank you for making us whole, God, and bringing us out. We thank you, Father God, that you have a brand new mindset. You have a brand new mentality for us, God.